welcome to Soulless. Um, my name is Iona and this is my podcast where I'm bringing light to social justice issues. And I say this literally every episode, but I have a really exciting guest today. I have Moses all the way from Kenya talking about the cur or not helpless, which is a topic that I'm very passionate about. I also have my mum here with me. Hello. Hello, it's Diane. But it's all about Moses. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to keep so, quiet. So, Moses, would you like to introduce yourself and give us three fun facts that people do not know. And if you don't give three fun facts, I'll give three. <laughs> she knows a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so thank you for having me. Uh, it's so nice to be here. Um, yeah, I really appreciate the invitation and I like being on this space today. Uh, just allow me to, rem- uh, to to speak again about my name, Moses Kamau, um, from Nairobi, Kenya. <laughs> um, so Moses is, is a father of two little girls, twins, and married to Maureen, and we live together here in Nairobi. I think uh, what I'd like to share about my fun fact is the fact that I love food, but I hate cooking. Mm, that's a bit like typical. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Don't to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like cooking either, but I love food. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I think the other thing uh, I forgot to mention is I, I don't like doing laundry work, but I like being smart. <laughs> <laughs> He's very smart. He's got some really trendy clothes. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> and what's it like living I take that in as a, a compliment. House- What's it like living in a household full of women? Yes. Yeah, so I, it takes a lot of courage. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I'm surrounded by three lovely women in the house. I'm, I'm the man. So it has its own advantages because they treat me as a king and as a prince at the same time. So I love that. I love being pampered. So I feel so good. <laughs> oh, right answer. Yes, you have to think about that carefully. But it also comes, it comes, it comes with a, a weight of responsibility because you know, um, being the only man in the house, so I need to really watch out over these lovely ladies and you know, just be there for them. Uh, so, so much as I like being pampered, I, I, I also like taking care of them and giving my best to them. No. So, gentlemen. Yeah, that's that's the weight I feel. <laughs> Very good. Um, so the name of the podcast is Solace, which means light in Irish. So what is something that has brought light into your life during the pandemic? Yeah, um, good question. I, I think uh, during this time of the COVID pandemic, I think many things have happened. I, I think for me, I have realized that everything in our lives can change in a moment, you know things can change in a moment. But I think the best thing and the beauty that I, uh, I see in, in, in the, you know, the unfolding of the pandemic is that it shows how resilient and adaptable, you know, we human beings are. And, you know, especially when we are forced to change, we, we can really adopt. But I also appreciate that during this time, part of the things that have brought light to my life is family, you know. And I have realized that family matters than anything else. Yeah, I think 
those, those are some of the things I've learned during this particular time, because most of the time we've been in the pandemic and we've been on lockdown. So no going out, the only time you have, uh, you know, is to spend is to spend it at home with your loved ones. And yeah, so that has really brought a lot of light into my life moving forward, you know. Just as much as Iona loved being locked down with me. Ooh, <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> no, I'm joking. We got a lot. Yeah. Yes, and we went on lovely walks. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting into <laughs> today's episode, which is the power are not helpless. And I'm sure maybe that's a thing that people have never heard before. And it might be a bit confusing to people. How has this belief shaped what you do today and sort of could you talk about what what it means what the poor are not helpless means and how it's shaped what you do today in your work life and in your home life and things like that yeah yeah I think the other thing you know that I love so much being on this space talking about these things today is the fact that you know to begin with I I I mentioned earlier that that I live in Nairobi so I was born in Nairobi I have stayed up with my family in Nairobi and not the suburbs of Nairobi. So I grew up in the deepest uh, and the poorest parts of Nairobi. So I understand what poverty really means, you know, and and I understand uh, what it means to be poor firsthand. But I also appreciate that, you know, being poor does not uh, mean that, um, you know, I have nothing, I am powerless, you see. Uh, the poor have potential. That's something that I have realized. But I have also realized that there's a lot of perception about the poor. And so many people who are not really helped to see and to appreciate their, their potential end up depending on, you know, handouts. But I think the best, the best thing to do is, is, to, is to appreciate that people have potential and, and they have something in them because poverty is multidimensional. So I may lack something that other people don't have, but I still have something. So the poor have something, but so to speak, and, and, and growing up in the slums, I knew there were things we didn't have, but there were plenty of things that we do have, that we have, you know, we can share with other people as well. So there's something that we have as poor people. And growing up, I think what was really impressed you know, in people like me living in poor neighborhoods is the fact that you guys are poor, you have nothing, you need to be helped. And I think that is disempowering and not empowering. So I think to approach the matters of poverty from the angle of these are people and they have something to offer. So let them, let us allow them to bring what they have to offer on the table. That is more empowering than to think that they have nothing. So you're saying yeah. that when you, you were growing up, basically it was the way that the people treated you made you almost feel like you were helpless. You know, that was the sort of attitude they had. You need you need me as a as this a person who has lots to help you, you poor person. Exactly, exactly. I have something that I can bring on the table. And you see, the fact that I am poor or maybe I live in a poor neighborhood doesn't doesn't demean me doesn't you know uh reduce me into nothing so i think the best thing is to allow me i know what i need in life so if you want to help me then 
please allow me to bring what I have, my ideas, my thoughts, my, the plans that I have, you know. Yeah, allow me to bring what I have on the table, you know, because I have something. Allow me to unlock my potential because there's potential in me and let's fight this poverty issue together so that we come together as equals. So that when someone comes, uh, I got the feeling that when people used to come to the neighborhoods where I used to live, you know, with my family, you know, um, I, people come as superheroes. People come as people who are helpers. You know, you want to help people and that makes people you want to help helpless. But when you come and you appreciate that these people, they have needs, but they also have uh, some potential. So how do we help each other so that they can come out of, uh, you know, the pit and the depths of poverty that they may be in? You see what I mean? Yeah, and I know that here in the UK and in you know, the Western world in general, there is this idea that is portrayed by the media and portrayed by, you know, the news and things like that, that, the, you know, people in Africa and these poor countries, you know, they need you to come over and people are going on these mission trips and these humanitarian trips where they think that what they're doing is beneficial and helpful. Actually, it's quite harmful. And you, um, from this idea and from your experiences, started up an organization called Urban Impact. And um, could you talk a little bit about um, Urban sure. Impact and why you started it and what you do through or, um, Urban Impact? Uh, yeah, precisely. I think it. Uh, Urban Impact is 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 a is an organization that that works in the slum areas of Nairobi, and we we work in the urban setups of Nairobi, the poor neighborhoods of Nairobi. I think to give you perspective, uh, very quickly, is that we have close to four million people living out in Nairobi as a county alone, and um, we have almost you know sixty percent of these people living in poor neighborhoods, people living in places where there's a lot of scarcity and deplorable conditions, and, and that's not the best place you want to live in. So urban impact, you know, as I, it's, I would say, is a work of, uh, what I would say, it's, it's, it's a work of deep passion uh, uh, and, uh, and the work of heart to provide opportunities for hope and advancement to, to the urban poor by providing practical schools and support, you know? And I, I began this because it gives me legitimacy. When I go back to the slums and I use, I was, I was born there, I grew up there with, with our family. I'm no longer there, but when I go back there, I'm not going there as an outsider. You know, I'm going there sharing my story and, and, and you know, telling my story and people can be able to relate my story with their story because they can be able to reconcile. This is Moses. We we know that this kind of life is used to to this kind of life. So it, it gives us leverage to also say, hey, it's possible. You know, if if I got out of the slums, if I got out of deep poverty, and and the punks were unable to really destroy me and my family, then it's also possible for you. So I would say because of that, we began so that. We are able to really, you know, provide opportunities for hope because this, you know, trust me, there's a lot of hopelessness and, and helplessness uh, in, in these neighborhoods. But you see, when I go there or together with my team, the team that works for Urban Impact, we go there and we share our story of hope. Just appearing in those setups, you know, we, we, we are spreading hope. And people are able to say, if this happened, then it's also possible for us. And when we go there, we go there as equals, you know, 
we, we don't go there as superheroes. We say, hey, you know what? This is what, you know, happened. Uh, somebody showed us one, two, three things that worked for us. And maybe you can just share the same nuggets and say, these are some practical tools we can be able to, to use. These are some of the, you know, lessons we've learned along the way. And we share them with the people who are our friends, our neighbors, and some are our family members, you know, that are still stuck there. And because of that, now Urban Impact is able to relate you know, with people well, and, and it's easy to, for them to buy our story. And by buying our story, you know, we see that hearts and minds are transformed because people will easily believe what they have seen working for someone that they already knew. So I'd say that's the work of Urban Impact. So really, we don't just go there to say, hey, we have these, you know, ideas and skills from you know, you know, external ideas and skills, we come with local, you know, remedies that have worked for us, you know, that uh, can be able to really um, help people in the local context. Yeah, like you're not going over and bringing all of these things that you have and bringing tools and, you know, gifts and money and things like that. You're actually going and calling gifts out of people and, you know, teaching them that they have things already that they can use. Could you maybe, exactly. yeah, could you maybe mm. talk a little bit about sort of the most important aspect of Urban Impact, like what you go specifically to do um, and a little example of something you've done so people can hear about your work and about what you do? Yeah, I think uh, one of our <clears throat> principle that really govern the work that we do is we believe that to for us to be able to help people break the chains uh, of poverty, then we, we have to operate on the principle of, you know, helping them to help themselves because we can't always help people, but it's easy for us to help people to help themselves. Like I said earlier, I think, I believe, and Urban Impact as an organization believes that everyone has a potential, even these ones who are in the slums, and they have a potential to lift themselves out. So which is the best way? Is it providing a handout to them or providing a hand up to them? You know, a handout will create dependency. A handout will make the poor person become more powerless because then they have to depend on you, uh, you know, time and time again. But when you provide a handout, a hand up, then it means you're helping them to rise from, from where they are. So this is how we, we, we do. We believe that people in, in, in the slums have what we call the scarcity mindset. And one of the things that I've seen over and over again is the fact that, you know, people from outside would, oh, you know, and by outside, I'm, I'm, I mean, people who are not locals, they not, they don't live in, in the slums or maybe they have not lived in the slums, you know, and, and they would come with the idea that help, you know, they come with ideas or ideologies and methodologies that reinforce the fact that help will always come from outside. You see, that is still creating that, you know, sort of, you know, reinforcing the idea of powerlessness because then people begin to depreciate themselves. Uh, and, and they can't value what they have because then they are being told or ideas are being, uh, you know, flown up and about that help will always come from outside. So this is what we do. Uh, we begin with the idea of what do we have? 
what do you have? And, and, and that is biblical. Even God in all his uh, you know, power and majesty, when he has wanted to help people, even in bi biblical times, he always began with what you have. Like for example, we share stories. We tell our stories, we share Bible stories, like the story of Moses, for instance. When Moses was being called by God to take people out of Egypt, God asked him, what do you have? And, and Moses said he had nothing. And God took time with Moses to, so that Moses appreciated that he had something in his hand. So sometimes we have to, to walk with people and that's one of the things we do. We journey with these people so that they are able to understand what it is that they have. You see, in Moses' scenario, it was a stick and, and Moses really uh, despised the stick until you know, God allowed him to demonstrate the power of the stick. So that whatever we have, however little it is, if we use, utilize it well, it has the power to transform not only itself, but also our lives. Like in the case of Moses, again, it, it changed, you know, from, from a stick into a snake. And, 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 and Moses never believed that that stick could do anything other than becoming a stick, you see? And so we journey with, with, with these people and we, 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 for example, when people now begin to appreciate that they have nothing, that begins to, it plants a seed in their, in their, in their, in their mindset. So we begin to move from the scarcity mentality, you know, where people uh, believe they have nothing, you know, and, and, and when we walk with them, we, we give them small trainings, we call them bite-sized trainings. And one of the other tools, other than journeying with the people we do, is to allow people the opportunity to dream. For example, you know, we, we tell them there's an exercise we do, we call it a dream map, where we tell people it's okay to dream. It's okay to visualize a different kind of life. This is your present reality, but life can be different. You know, it will not happen overnight. There's a lot you will need to do for life to change. But then do you know where you want to go? Yes, you know, this is where you are, but where, do you know where you want to go? And this is one of the powerful tools that we have utilized where we tell people now this is your reality map it out what challenges are you facing you know are they you know related to basic living things they map out and then we ask them what really would hinder you from moving to where you are right now from the slums to your desired future and how does your desired future look like so we begin to plan something in their imagination and in their minds they begin to see something different and they are like, okay, I, if I had the means, this is not what I would be living on. So they begin to see something different. And you see, we are giving them the power to dream again. And, and, and we encourage them to realize that it's okay to dream. Because, you know, I mean, countless times I have dreamed, even myself, driving a, a big suburban vehicle. And when I walk up... <laughs> Uh, maybe what I have is a bicycle outside on the, on the yard, but it, 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 you know, it gives me a certain drive. I'm like, oh, was it me? Then another life is possible. So, but then we're not just telling them to dream and stick to the dream. Then how do we bring that reality, that dream to reality? So then they have to map out what is really pulling me behind what is really pulling it behind. So they begin to do a self-assessment. They are like, uh, 
uh, point number one, number two, these are the things that are really derailing me or pulling me back. So what are we doing? We are creating a self-awareness. They are doing mapping of their strength. They are trying to see what do I have that can really help me move or begin the journey to my desired future. And then we do little training. So once they do that, we, we come up with, with, with an action plan of the things that they say, if I do this, this will be the first step that I take. Now, once they come with a, they, 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 they come up with an action plan, then it comes to the basis for us to really journey with them. Because what we are doing is to help them to stick on the journey to their desired future, to help them to take and to make the small steps. Yeah, no, in a way, what I'm hearing from what you're saying is, it's a lot about building relationships with these people and going and journeying with them through, you know, what you're teaching them and the skills that you're calling out of them. And I know that you built a strong relationship with a woman called um, Sophie and she has an incredible story. My mom told me it and it just, I know that the people listening to the podcast will really benefit from hearing this story. So could you tell us the story of Sophie? Just help us better understand how the work you do benefits people and get an example. Ah, Sophie, wow. So Sophie is a powerful story. And Sophie is what I call a, an, an enigma. You see, you see, Sophie, Sophie uh, embodies the work that we do. Uh, and our work is about bringing hope, bringing healing and bringing transformation to the people who are you know, are living in poverty and stuck in poverty over the time. So Sophie has gone through the process, you know, the process that I briefly highlighted. And, and you see, you see, Sophie bought the vision. She, she, she got the idea of what we are trying to do and she gave it a try. I remember when we started off with Sophie, Sophie didn't have anything to do. She had just come from the rural areas. She's in Nairobi. When you come from the rural areas, you're told that Nairobi is, is, is the land of milk and honey. <laughs> so, and then when you land to Nairobi, you realize there's no milk and there's no honey. You have to work and there's no work. There's no place for you, you can go. And there's no cow for you to milk or, or the bees to, to, to get the honey. So it's, it's a lot of hard work, you see? And so Sophie uh, uh, finds herself, you know, uh, unable to decide what to do because this is not what she was promised or this is not what she was prepared for. And, and she happened to attend a training we were doing in a certain local church in Kibera. Sophie is, is, is a native in Kibera, and, and, but she had come from a rural area. So Sophie attended one of the trainings in, in the local church where we were helping people to do the dream map. And we were, during this time, we were doing what we call a, a uh, we are training. The topic then was asset mapping. So we were trying to help people to map what assets do you have? And basically you begin from the individual. As an individual, what do you have? So that you use that to go to where you want to go. And so Sophie didn't have anything. So after the training, she came and she was like, I want to do business, a small business by the roadside, but I don't have money. And of course we are a small startup and we don't encourage handouts. And so Sophie was not an exception. So we told her like what we, told, we tell every other person. So 
we asked Sophie, what can you do with your own hands that does not require external help? What is it that you can do? What resources do you think you can be able to access within yourself and within your immediate community? And Sophie began looking and, and of course, uh, some weeks later, she came and she was like, you know what, I know what I can do. So Sophie had decided to walk in the streets and the alleys of Kibera looking for scraps, you know, because so she would get uh, recyclable tins and metals and stuff like that. And she took them to a scrap metal dealer. Uh, so a day's work, one day she went and she got almost 800 shillings. And she was like, all of this was junk, but now it looks like jewels. I didn't have money to start my business, but now all this trash is, you know, having some profits to me. So she, she was motivated. So she started doing it even, you know, with more intention and, and, and she became more intentional in doing that. Uh, within a few weeks, Sophie uh, had a good relationship with a scrap metal dealer and she was told how to go about the business. You know, how do you navigate around the scraps, you know, dealing kind of business. And she was motivated by the 800. Part of the things we tell them in the training is that, you know, we, 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 we encourage them to utilize well the resources they have. So Sophie had 800. And so she was advised to join a local savings groups for women where she, she deposited some of her earnings there so that they can be able to accrue interest and help other women, you know, within the church where she was attending. And within no time, Sophie was able to now upgrade from just walking around scavenging for scraps to, you know, buying, uh, you know, those... Um, salvage vehicles, vehicles that have been involved in accidents. So they break, they cut them into pieces and then they sell spare parts. So again, Sophie was utilizing the power of relationship. And in this time, you realize Sophie had spiritual assets or spiritual capital because of her local church where she was able to get the training and come into contact with Urban Impact and then she joined a local group where she was able to, you know, share her story with like-minded people who are in the, you know, deepest pits of poverty like her. And Sophie also, you know, by dealing with a scrap metal dealer, she was harnessing and using well her social capital. So she got information that she didn't have. And, and, and this story is powerful because we learned that there's no one way of, be, of, of helping people. That you have to you know, use multiple approaches and people have to be willing. And they will be willing if you believe in them. So I'm saying people saw people, Sophie saw people believing in her and in her potential and it, it, it unlocked, it unlocked. We don't take credit for that because we just believed in her. And that's what uh, you know, people need, especially people living in poverty. So uh, fast forward, Sophie was able to buy a, a, a door for, you know, a vehicle door, a side mirror that fetched a lot of money. Within no time, she had a lot of savings because we always tell them when you have already identified what you have, the next step is to you properly manage what you have identified as your resource. 
so that you use it, so that it can be able to serve you over a period of time. And that's what Sophie did. She bought one motorcycle that was like a business for her. She employed a brother. Then it, that motorcycle, using the same principle, bought another one. Within no time, Sophie had bought a minivan that was carrying you know, passengers in Nairobi. So what am I trying to say? Today, Sophie is, is, is one of the social change champions for urban impact because people saw Sophie who was hopeless and helpless, but today she's not hopeless, she's not helpless. Actually, Sophie has opened a school in Kibera where she provides learning opportunities for needy children. You know, she wants to give them an opportunity. And she's like, people believed in me. I want to believe in people. So in short, I'm saying we may have a lot of, you know, ideas on how we need to, to break the cycle of poverty, but it begins by believing even the poor are people and they have something and we need to help them to understand what they have and how to use it. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. That is so powerful. And I love the phrase that you use, um, junk into jewels. I think a lot of people, even in Northern Ireland and the UK, might feel that what they have to bring is just, you know, quote unquote, yeah. junk. Like it's not good, it's not of use, it's not helpful, it's not powerful. But Sophie saw this yeah. crap metal yeah. with junk uh -huh. and it became jewels. You kind of unlock the door to seeing this as gold yeah. jewels something powerful and able to use and I was wondering if you could give any advice on how you know we can help how we can how even people can see their own gifts as these jewels you know change their perspective on things or how they can help urban impact things with changing their attitude or bringing a new attitude or even practical action anything that we can do to help change the sort of way we view poverty yeah, I think, um, you know, I personally and, and the ministry we run Urban Impact, we believe that we believe in the ability of the poor people or poor communities to identify and prioritize their needs. They already know their needs. They just need someone to believe in them, you know, and sometimes they may need little or no external support so that they may be able to pursue their own solutions to those needs. So I think the first key thing is to believe in people, to believe that people uh, are people, even though they are poor people, if you believe in them, then it means that you are really setting them up on the journey to sustainable change. And we believe that even poor people can be able to initiate and drive their own development agenda. They already know where they want to go. So I think when we believe in them, we can be able to help them to harness and grow their own resources. So we, we have uh, several stories like that of Sophie uh, that, that we have seen over the years. You know, God has really transformed the lives of the people uh, living in the slums. So, I mean, to somebody out there would really love to know more of what we do, I think. Um, you know, our website, www www.urbanimpactkenya.org would be a good place to start. We also have our social media handles. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. I think Urban Impact Kenya, if you do that, you'll be able to understand what it is that we are doing and you'll be able to get more of the stories of what we're doing and you'll also be able to understand our theory of change. But if someone is out there, you know, from wherever you're listening at this podcast from and you really love to connect with us, I think, we would be happy to connect. 
would be happy to, you know, have you come and see what we're doing and, you know, take what would work and go share it in, in, in the places where you feel God sending you. And it's, it's, you know, we do this because we want to see transformation. You see, it, it doesn't hurt one candle to light up another. It doesn't diminish you. So I think it doesn't hurt when we believe in people, even though they are poor. You know, sometimes we think that giving our resources to people who are poor, we are helping them. We are not. Sometimes what they need is someone to believe in them. And that's what urban impact does, believing in people. And this brings hope, it brings healing, and it brings transformation. And we welcome anyone who would want to be a part of this to, you know, uh, be free to, to join us. Thank you so much, Moses. That really was so inspirational and so powerful. And I know that it's going to break down a lot of barriers, um, a lot of perspectives and attitudes are going to change because of this. So thank you so much. Um, would you like to say anything? To well, I'd just out? like to say that to stop me talking, she kept hitting me during that. So she kept, you can't hear that. But No, but she kept going in and I was like, this is not your podcast. <laughs> so I'm, being blocked. I'm going to have to start my own podcast now. But I tell you what, I, lo I love that image of you lighting someone else and that idea of, you know, just it doesn't diminish you to light someone else and to let them see their potential and, and what, and I think that's really, really important because often what's stopping people is maybe our attitudes towards them rather than anything in them. So, yeah. you know, I, I really, it's it's taught me a lot working alongside you, Moses, in Urban Impact. And, you know, I, I really hope that people got loads out of today. And I know I always post all the links. Yeah, I will have the Urban Impact link down in the description and the different social media handles to get in contact if you want to yeah. support Urban Impact or connect with them. Um, that is something you can do, obviously Moses said. So if you're interested, it will all be there. But to finish yeah. off, I hope that um, everyone who's listening, you can tune in next time. And thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you.